I'm Carlos Kina, founding partner of Beyond the Deal, BTD for short, and this is our Beyond the Deal successful M&A delivered podcast. At BTD, we focus on delivering successful mergers, acquisitions, divestments, and alliances. Our approach helps smart and savvy organizations design, plan, and manage these activities for themselves and get as much long-term value from them as possible. Based on 20 years of experience across 150 international engagements, we've made this process as simple, discreet, and modular as possible to reflect today's needs. This podcast series will help guide you through the complexities of M&A, divestments, and alliances, bringing expertise and best practice from our team and other expert practitioners in our network. Our aim for each podcast is to provide you with practical, helpful nuggets, ideas, new perspectives, and things to try when planning or conducting your own acquisition, integration, divestment, separation, or alliance. We hope you finish each podcast with something new you hadn't considered before that will help you and your team be more successful. If you like our podcasts, please share, comment, or subscribe to our channel. BTD, from pre-deal to post, we help you go beyond the deal. Hello again, everyone. Carlos Kina here. Uh, today, we're once again joined by Toby Tester. For those of you who don't know, Toby is one of our directors based in Sydney. He brings over 25 years of experience managing integrations, separations, and large business and IT transformation projects across a wide range of industries in the US, the UK, India, and Australia. In this podcast, however, we're going to look at something that doesn't happen every day, but we hope will still have some useful lessons for those who are both buying and selling companies. Specifically, we're going to talk about how an acquirer can actively help the seller design, plan, and manage their separation in a way that makes post-deal integration before the deal, and therefore the deal itself, better for everyone. Hi, Toby. Thanks again for joining me. You, you and I have worked with a number of other team members on this specific deal a few years ago, bouncing back and forth between the UK and Asia. Um, I remember it well. I'm sure you do. Um, also remember it quite fondly. We had a great time. Um, if I may, let me start by providing a little bit of the context. So okay. this was a UK-listed engineering business that uh, brought us in to help them acquire a global software business that was in a, a complementary area. Uh, that they and that software business was part of a larger entity, and so the parent firm had put this entity up for sale. Um, our client was the buyer, um, and they had seen a, a fairly unique opportunity to complement the cutting edge computer analytics that the um, company they were looking to buy would bring alongside their current business offerings. So from a deal standpoint, it made sense. Um, but unlike their previous acquisitions, this deal was a bit different, a bit special. It, it represented for them a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity um, to reposition themselves in the software market rather than just being in the, uh, uh, the engineering or manufacturing space. So this was going to really increase their capabilities and allow for a lot of cross-selling of the digital solutions alongside their uh, existing products to their, their current customer base. Um, so, Toby, why don't we just pass over to you? I mean, what was it yeah. in your view that made this particularly challenging for the acquirer? Well, Carlos, as you say, I mean, you know, uh, this was a most interesting um, transaction, to say the least. Um, you know, um, look, it was an enticing opportunity for the buyer. It was 
allowing them to leapfrog in terms of uh, potential growth opportunities and position themselves as a digital services business. So it was it really was a great opportunity. But <laughs> like all things, that there's always problems. Um, you know, where would we be without problems, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and this one had a certain problem about it. And let me just explain, because it, it is fascinating. Um, you know, the buyer, quite clearly, was very keen to acquire this business, but it wanted to acquire the business and its IP as a standalone entity. Like they wanted it because, and there's a fundamental reason why, the actual seller was in a somewhat precarious financial situation. In actual fact, it was actually uh, wanted to sell the asset. This was a pretty much a distressed M and A uh, sale. This was um, yeah. the buyer was keen but really didn't want to inherit in any shape or form the, the, the problems of the seller. You know, wanted to get hold of this business unit. It was a very successful uh, digital, uh, digital business, but didn't want to have anything to do with the uh, seller's precarious financial situation. Now, the problem was, and this is an interesting one, is that the seller, and I think this is pretty common, actually, it didn't actually have any experience at all about what it takes to carve out and separate and sell a business. Mm. And so they were advised, I somewhat think somewhat, you know, not all that well, that they went ahead and said, well, look, you know, you need to obviously set up a separate tax entity and a separate legal entity and make sure you get the uh, carve out financial statements going correct for this standalone entity. Um, you know, doing this all pre-deal and thought, that's it, we're done. Now all we've got to do is court potential buyers who'll be interested in this business having done the legal financial um, carve-out. Mm. Yeah, that, that reminds me. You can see where this is going. You can see where this is going, Carlos. Yeah, no. In fact, we've seen that in a couple of other clients where, you know, for, for, with all due respect to the, the skills and, and capabilities that pre-deal groups often bring, um, as soon as it starts getting organizational, um, then they tend yeah. to either you know, lose interest or, or lose an understanding and therefore tend yep. to, to leave that area alone. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, this is it, you see. And here's the problem. Um, yes, they've done the uh, tax carve-out, they've done the legal carve-out, and to a certain extent, they've actually you know, got a sort of separate uh, set of financial statements um, around the business. The issue is, is that they had did little, they've done little around the people, the technology, the operations, and dare I say, above all, the IP. In other words, the very thing that they're interested wasn't fully carved out. And this clearly made the buyer pretty nervous. I mean, they didn't want to have anything to do with the seller in terms of their financial situation. They didn't want to be exposed. And so, you know, they said, well, look, you know, um, they came to uh, ourselves, you know, clearly frustrated and said, well, you know, these guys need help in terms of making sure that this business is fully carved out so that we can take it over at close properly. And I'm, I'm sure you remember the situation, Carlos, you know, whereby, oh, yes. you know, that there was a sort of, I don't know, there, there was a bit of confusion because, and perhaps it's based on their own advice, but they they were quite quite adamant to say, well, look, we've already done the carve out. You know, what, what's what's wrong here? You know, we, we've done the legal stuff, the financial, you know, the tax, mm. it's, it's, it's there. What else is there more to do? <laughs> and 
in in a sense, they didn't quite get it that you know you you really if you're going to make something a business, you need to make it sort of ready for the for the owner in terms of the operations, you know, the IP, the data, the organizational um, aspects, the physical location, the staff, the systems, the contracts. You know, I can continue on if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, well, I mean, I remember, I remember specifically in the discussions when when you were out there having a look just to do the initial inventory, even down to what yeah. might be seen as minor but but mission critical things like what building were these people going to go in that would allow for a, an organizational separation from the parent, and did that building have yeah. internet access? Which in fact it turned out it did not. Um, <laughs> anyway, I also remember. I, I, I remember. <laughs> Also, then you know, working through with others on the IT, uh, the IP yeah. asset uh, bit, just yes. trying. Indeed, uh, it indeed. To be a lot less developed than we thought it would have been. Uh, well, so indeed, absolutely right, Carlos. You know, and this, the situation here is that um, the software, you know, the very thing that they were actually buying, you know, this was key to the sort of the products that you know inherent in this business, wasn't actually fully separated out. It was still yeah. part of the parent, you know, that hadn't been split up. And that's where the value was. And so you can understand why the uh, buyer was nervous. So, look, as you know, Carlos, you know, we went in and we worked with the seller and mapped out the operational carve-out work so the business could operate as a going concern once the transaction was closed. Now, that was a lot of effort, if you remember, Carlos. And, you know, you know we did a lot of work, you know, to get that business su sufficiently discreet for at least for in a transactional sense, the agreement could be done and completed mm. and hand over control. Now, admittedly, there was still a transitional services arrangement. Inevitably, with any kind of divestment, there is often one in about 80% of all cases, but we wanted to make sure that that transitional services component was small so that the two parties could move away and go about their own, go in their own direction quickly after the deal. So that was the work that we did. And it was clearly in response to a kind of a misunderstanding as to what it takes to carve out a business. Yeah. And if, if I may, the one thing that I remember, you know, one of the first things we did that sounds simple and obvious, but again, we find in lots of cases, both that we're involved in, but we also discuss with others that we hear about, just having a basic asset register, a list of all the things that you're actually getting when you buy the company. Indeed. Uh, not in terms Indeed. of legal entities, but in terms of those bits of software at a code, you know, code base level, but also what buildings, what people, what um, processes, what data. Indeed. Um, yeah, that, that kind of thing turned out to be a lot more important uh, than I think anyone had given credit for uh, up front. You know, how, how can you start separating things, let alone selling them, unless you know what it actually is? <laughs> Very much so. But look, I, I'm, I'm pleased that you look, you know, that BTD was able to save the day and help the seller do the remaining carve out so that a transaction could take place. And that, felt, that's what we did. It felt like, in some cases, it felt like about three days. And in other cases, it felt like about six months. What, what was it in the end, Toby? Was it about... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was a while. I mean, I, I have to be honest, I'm not too sure. It, it was probably around about three or four months overall. There was a lot of work there, Carlos. And you look, and, and I think where the work really was, it was around the actual technology, the software, particularly, yeah. and this is an important one for any sort of tech type deals, is that where you're selling software, you should be able to build that software 
based upon the items that you've got listed in the asset register. So you should be able to go out and with all those discrete software components, be able to build the product. And if you can't, you haven't got a full set of software assets. Yeah. And that's think, important to build the product. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that clearly is is the most important piece. I think the other bit that, that uh, comes to my mind that I recall, you know, the, the notion that, that our partner Nick Palmer often talks about, which is staple yourself to a, uh, a purchase order, you know, yeah. walk through the processes that these people are going to have. And so yes. we ended up, I remember spending an inordinate amount of time literally making sure that people could get into the new building, could sit down at a desk, Indeed. could access the internet, could get coffee because the kitchens were up and running. You know, these kinds of seemingly unimportant things can actually stop a business from running if they're not in place. Uh, Absolutely. You know, so effective Absolutely. separation is as much about making sure that the toilets are working in the new building uh, <laughs> as it is around making sure that you've got uh, you know access to the, the right legal entities and, and IP and so on. Indeed, indeed. Look, uh, it was an incredibly interesting experience. Um, but also, Carlos, I, I think there are some fundamental lessons, I think, for any organization that is going through a divestment process. And if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind just listing those out because I think they are important. Yeah, sure. Um, look, first of all, um, always think like the bar. You know, understand their needs and wants. The, the key objective is always to reduce the bar risk. Um, secondly, it's to, when you're carving out a business, always make it future ready, as future ready as possible for the owner. Always keep full control of the sale agenda, which didn't happen in this case. Don't let the bar drive it. The seller always keep control of the sale agenda. And I think the other thing is that when you're ever using a transitional service agreement, always make sure that you're using it for a fast and clean sales process, but not as a way of transferring risk to the bar. That's not the right way to do it. The whole objective of the exercise is to make sure that the, uh, the whole divestment is a fast, clean, and smooth transaction. And I think finally, and this is an important one here, more preparation equals more value. What do you mean by that? Can you, can you be more specific, Toby? Yes, I can. Um, preparation uh, in divestments is absolutely key. When I say preparation, it means setting up the appropriate governance, making sure that you're ready, you've got the capabilities to actually uh, do the divestment, and then go through a methodical but organized carve-out exercise so that you're preparing that business as much as you can so that an owner can easily, without too much risk, take control of it. Mm. So a lot of effort has to do to prepare that business. And the more you do the prepare, preparation, the more value a buyer would attach to that business. Yeah. And therefore, the more they'd be willing to pay. Indeed. Yeah, I, think, I think from my perspective, the the two that I'd add, and they kind of build on those you just mentioned, Toby, were yeah. one of the things I've certainly learned uh, getting into divestment work is unlike an integration where in a sense you you know you already own the business or you will own the business and therefore it's it's very much about what you want to do with it when you're when you're supporting a separation it's pre-close and because of all the things you mentioned you really do need to sit much more in the middle of the two organizations the buyer and the seller and almost act as a liaison between them and make sure that they are working together 
Indeed. to do the right thing. I mean, when when we were doing this project, Toby, we were, yes, we were being paid for and we're benefiting um, you know, to the interests of our client, the buyer. But on a day-to-day basis, we were effectively uh, working with the seller as if they were our client. And so having, <laughs> some, having someone internally or externally sitting in that role to make sure that both sides are working together to make this work, I think is is really critical. Yes, very true. Yeah, we were we were very much we were very much straddling uh, both sides. In actual fact, for me personally, I was just simply working with the seller almost full time. Yeah, yeah, and and then the other one I think is is around TSAs, and and you know we see this all the time, and you know this very well, Toby. Yeah. Making sure you get under the skin of the legalese, um, the the legal documents around the TSA, uh, and the the list of services or processes that the TSA is going to cover is all well and good. But you've really got to operationalize that and understand again what that means for both the buyer and the seller post deal, so that Indeed. you know what metrics you're you're using uh, to uh, to measure success of that particular activity. How you're going to escalate issues? How you're going to come together um, to assess how it's going? Governance, reporting, um, all that good stuff. Uh, otherwise, you're spending all your time making that up uh, post close, which is the last um, exactly. Exactly. I think the transitional service agreement is ultimately a legal agreement, but the task really is to make it something that actually is alive. You yeah. know, it's a living, breathing way of working between the buyer and the seller as uh, services get transitioned across. And and again, walking yourself through the process, um, you know, doing those walkthroughs can be really helpful in making sure that you ask the right questions about not how the process is going to work. That's the easy part. But what will you do when the process goes wrong? What's going to happen if that one critical person in the middle of that particular you know payroll processing process or or whatever happens to uh, to be to be sick or something like that? Okay, time to wrap this one up. Thanks very much, Toby. Great to be speaking with you as always, and good memories and learnings from that engagement. Thanks everyone else for listening. Hope you found it interesting and useful. If you like this podcast, let us know and share the link, and send us your ideas for any other areas you'd like us to discuss in future sessions. In the meantime, listen out for our new upcoming podcast series to run alongside these, in which we'll be going back to basics on design, planning, and execution of integrations, separations, and alliances. Thanks, and bye for now. BTD, from pre-deal to post, we help you go beyond the deal.